Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is Flag Day, right? June the 14th. 2019 strong hand long-term thinking offended by selling one bitcoin equals one bitcoin bitcoin is the next bitcoin unconfiscatable okay strong hand people we got a strong hand bitcoin maximalist type of crew here these guys are they're big bitcoin guys we got ansel Lindner coming in here we got alexander alex coming from beautiful brisbane and we got jeet coming from somewhere i don't even know where he is today he's he's all over the place he's in the midwest somewhere okay uh let's this binance thing is in the news all these people are making a big deal out of out of it uh and these guys are linked to below so definitely check out all the links below if you want to learn about them alex Svetsky, is that how you say your last name uh so yeah, yeah, you, you had your this is your first appearance on the show but this dude is known he's got awesome blog posts he's got the amber app He's got a Twitter, and that is all linked to. So you're, you're familiar. You All you guys, you've heard of him before, but now you get to hear him. So check out his links below. Check out these guys' links below. But the, the headline from Binance right, right about now is I, I want to read. The, Binance to stop serving U.S. traders following announcement of U.S. dedicated platform. So yesterday, um, I think after I did my show, they announced they're going to have a U.S. dedicated platform. I'm like, great, you know, KYC. Yeah, that's why they're doing it. They're, they're trying to comply to the United States government. And then today the other shoe dropped and they said U.S. they're not going to be servicing U.S. traders, I guess, at their, uh, their, their main site right now. And everyone's panicking. Everyone's selling their altcoin. Why everyone owns altcoins in the first place and stores them there is beyond my comprehension. Um, well, I understand why. You know, 80% are going to do what they're going to do. What do you think about the situation, Ansel? Well, I don't have super strong opinions about it, but I think my initial thought was that it's a fairly big deal. Um, it's going to really hurt the altcoin space. But one thing I like to see is increased liquidity between the altcoins and Bitcoin because you want them to, you want people to be able to dump easily in back into Bitcoin. Uh, so this will hurt that. Uh, it might lead to more... Uh, you know, pump and dump type schemes that will make the industry as a whole look bad, possibly. So, uh, again, no real strong feelings. I'm I'm excited to hear what the other guys have to say. Well, do you think? I mean, they're going to come up with their own American-based exchange and follow all the rules. I think that'll make the 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 government uh, look at the space uh, in in a more positive way, perhaps it's that aspect of it at least. So, uh, yeah, but you know. Um, if it's not going to have as much liquidity as if you have it open globally for everybody. So, okay. Yeah, um, yeah they're all in the yeah. same place. Yeah. 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 That, 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 okay. I get, I get that point. I get that. Okay. Jeet, yeah. your thoughts. Yeah. So there's a kind of a dual announcement. Like you said, part of it is they're opening up the exchange in the U S and then the flip side of that is that they're going to be KYCing and, um, you know, potentially cutting off, um, access to some of these altcoins for us traders. Um, interestingly, Bittrex also came out with an announcement where they were going to cut off kind of altcoin, a certain alt altcoins from uh, U.S. traders. And the reason why is some of these altcoins are uh, not as, you could say, decentralized or as legitimate as Bitcoin or even some of the top tier altcoins. Um, some of them are just straight up um, scams, actually. And so, you know, if an exchange is listing them, 
um, they're kind of going to get some legal liabilities if they're operating in the United States. So, you know, if you want to operate in the United States, the government is and the government regulators are kind of watching for that type of you know scammy activity. So, um, I think the way that the way to think about it is Binance has basically just been running the table on getting liquidity from other exchanges. Um, there's always one or more. There's always one exchange that starts picking up, you know, altcoin steam. They're willing to list altcoins when no one else is. They they kind of become the spot for both um, trading volume to go, but then also people who are launching new um, coins. So the um, the initial exchange offerings that you saw Binance coming out with recently, there's literally nothing different between that and any other you know listing. But they kind of market it a lot better. So Binance has you know done the play that I think like. Um, Bitfinex and some of these other guys had done in the past. Um, but now what they've done is they're just better operators. So CZ's run stock exchanges in China in the past, or he's run the, the trading software behind them. And he has, um, he's been through prior cycles. So I think if you looked at like the jobs page for Binance, it was really interesting. It's, it's kind of a good way to like monitor what companies are interested in. And they've got business development, marketing, all these different types of people that are more like support um, and so I think they're they're kind of playing a different game than somebody like, for example, Cryptopia might be. They want to be here long term. They've consumed all the volume that's outside the U.S. And then if you look at the profitability of U.S. customers versus international customers, U.S. customers are much more profitable because they trade larger amounts, right? Their average U.S. consumer has more um, disposable income than in other countries. So it's only natural that they want to come to the U.S. And so um, what's going to be interesting is you know, like, like Ansel pointed out, like, what does this do to altcoin liquidity and Bitcoin liquidity? So on the one hand, if, if the alt, all those altcoins are trading down, that's because everyone there is playing uh, a game of hot potato. They want to be the guy to dump on the next person. They're not in it for investment purposes. They're in it for speculation purposes. And so the liquidity is drying up, the monetary premium is drying up. And um, it's actually, it's, I mean, it's sad to see that, you know, some people will be losing money, but on the other hand, you know, people have been talking and saying that this is going to happen for, um, for months, right? that you know, when an exchange gets caught doing something or regulators start cracking down, this is going to happen. Um, and so this is actually potentially good for Bitcoin because they're going to launch, you know, if they're launching in the US, there's no reason that they're not, right now they're only crypto to crypto. They could potentially launch a, a fiat, another fiat on-ramp as well. And um, I think this is good for Bitcoin, bad for altcoins, but also bad for other exchanges. So I'm really excited to see more competition in the US market. So Coinbase and Kraken are going to have a run for their money now against somebody who's a really strong competitor who has lots of money to invest against them in terms of additional customer service, investing in good on-ramps, better apps, things like that. I mean, Binance ha is this successful and they don't even have an app. They just only have the, you know, you can, I think you can log on through your phone, but they don't um, have a proper app on the iPhone yet even. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what this does for like increased competition. Wow. It is a big deal when you put it in that perspective. Pound yeah. that like button. That was a great summary of the, the entire big picture situation, not the, not just this panic flashpoint that the, the altcoin uh, traders are in right now. Very, very good uh, take on that. I want to uh, read, before we get to Alex's take, I want to read a Matt O'Dell uh, tweet here. Reminder that Binance has been locking accounts without warning and forcing KYC in order to withdraw. Common theme among those hit seems to be VPN usage. VPN services use shared IPs for better privacy. When Binance flags a user, they lock the account of any user of that IP. Hey, yeah, so another reason not to store any coins at any exchange because at any moment, 
they can claim a reason why they can confiscate or close, uh, shut down your uh, account and demand KYC information. It is it's definitely a game of hot potato when you're uh, when you're storing your coins there. Again, you know, get a Trezor, learn how to control your own private key, et cetera, et cetera. Pound that like button. Alex, your take on uh, Binance. You're in Australia. You're gonna have a completely different take, I guess. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I actually just want to get a little clarity around. Um, so to use Binance, because I don't use Binance much at all, actually, and I try and I've tried to close down. I remember in you know 2017, you end up with about 15 different exchange accounts and you forget where all your coins are and all that stupidity, right? So, you know, I, I've kind of left those days behind and I've shut everything down. So I can't even remember. I, I never went through the KYC process in um, on Binance. So for me to be clear and be able to comment on this, if you're, an, if you're a US citizen at the moment, does that mean you cannot KYC on Binance? Is that correct? Um, so, so I, I'm not sure uh, exactly how it works, but it's their trading system is similar to like Kraken, where there's tiers of verifiability, and yeah, yeah, yeah. the more like you know you can start trading some small amounts. If you provide them KYC, you can start trading larger amounts. Larger amounts, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this, so what they're doing with the US at the moment, the assumption is that there's US people trading on Kraken, just non KYC, right? Binance, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sorry. Yeah. Binance. Yeah. Um, so, so this thing is about them. What wanting to drive KYC across a a subset of their product, i.e., they're going to set up a Binance US and then KYC those people in order to trade even one dollar. Is, is that sort of the idea? Like, yeah, that's what it seemed like. I mean, um, if you think about um, Coinbase, they require KYC, right? Yes. Yeah, straight um, off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, right, right off the bat. Um, but the, so the reason they historically haven't needed to provide KYC is because it's been crypto to crypto. So you just yep. load it up with Bitcoin and can start trading. But if they're going to require those on ramps, they're, they're probably going to you know require it. However, um, I think if as long as you're willing to keep it crypto to crypto, they shouldn't require it because there's others like uh, Abra, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't require it as well. So I think for them, it's it's uh, it's you know on the one hand. Um, the, the way that they're kind of reducing their legal liability is they don't let you withdraw more than two Bitcoin a day, I think, yeah, yeah. without your uh, KYC. So they're kind of reducing the potential for some big player to go in there and, you know, not pay taxes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so we'll, look, I mean, I, I'm probably more on Ansel's side here is, um, I guess it might be big news, but it, it doesn't really interest me nor affect me. And I don't have much of an opinion on it. I think um, if, if uh, the, the one thing I just find questionable is rolling into the US with the amount of, um, I'm going to call them poop coins um, that are listed on there, all right, because I can't swear. <laughs> poop coins that they've got listed on there. I don't know how that's going to fly in the US because, I mean, you know, half of that stuff is, is going to be categorized as a security. Um, irrespective, like, and, and I don't care where people stand on, you know, is it a security, is it not? I mean, we, we've seen how the SEC feels about this stuff. At the end of the day, these things were, no, no one bought ICOs so that they could support projects. They bought them so that they could gamble, trade and invest. So, I mean, it, it, that that's the piece that um, I think is important. So them rolling into the US, I don't see how they're going to be able to trade anything outside of Bitcoin and a couple other things as opposed to all the other garbage that they've got on their um, thing. So I don't know it, uh, if they do do this, I don't think it's going to be the same Binance that everyone knows everywhere else. So that would be my two cents.
I agree. It won't be. It, they won't list all those. They, they will. They will abide by the rules, won't they, G? Don't you think? So? I mean, they, it, it yeah. won't be. Yeah. I, I mean, if you think about it, the 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 risk reward. I mean, the reward is you can you know get a share. You can get like a third of the U.S. market potentially, and then the risk is they'll just completely shut down your exchange if you don't list this one or two really shady projects. Yeah. So there's no question. I mean, you know, in order to deal with that uncertainty, they're just going to like start doing some mass delistings, like other exchanges have done in those situations. So yeah, um, so, yeah, I think the, 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 yeah. The question is, does that then create a bridge for the same sort of stuff to happen across their broader network? Um, right. And and that that I think is the real question because then also we've got to remember like Binance makes most of their money because people are trading between all of these, you know hundreds or I don't, I don't know how many you know coins I've got listed now but um once you start to take that out what is the proposition for Binance over using something like Coinbase and Kraken um you know going to the US I don't know so who knows interesting stuff the, yeah I, I want to just uh, point out that um so one of the things um that um it's like a concept that's kind of been in vogue in US investing circles is um the game on the field. So like Bill Gurley, who's one of the um, early investors in Uber talks about this all the time, where dude in Uber, they want to have profitable routes, but they raised a ton of money um, preemptively and started, you know, kind of um, spending money on driver incentives. So all their documents are publicly filed. You can see they spent a decent amount of money on just driver incentives to you know make sure that there's decent supply, you know, matching supply and demand. They've kind of um, pumped up the supply side. Um, but the reason that they're doing that is because their competitors like Lyft, and um, grab and uh, all these different competitors in so Southeast Asia and in China are doing the same thing. They've also raised the same amount of money and they, it just needs to be done because it's the next step, right? So you sometimes you can't select a good game. You have to just play the game on the field. And I think that's what's happening with Binance where um, they've made investments in um, Trust Wallet, for example, right? I think that they just see that, look, this is gonna be a huge industry. It's still early days. They wanna establish like mindshare. They, you know, Coinbase right now is a really well-respected name among retail investors, and I think they want to be like the equivalent of Coinbase. They don't want to be known as the offshore exchange. They want to be known as potentially, you know, a competitor for that much larger market later on down the line against Coinbase. Yeah, well, I mean, indeed, if if that's how you if that's how they're thinking of framing themselves, then this is the move. I I don't know if the analogy about you know Uber and marketplaces is quite as relevant only only because. Marketplaces have interesting dynamics that they need to hit a critical mass in order to function. So as a result, what you need to do is, and, and I remember reading the statistics, like when Uber launched in Brisbane, they spent about $25 million just to get it going before they barely had any rides. So so in that sense, you know, exchanges aren't two-sided marketplaces. Two-sided marketplaces ha have this, basically this um, amount of activation energy that you, you need to put in before they actually kick off. And, and that that's... So, so they're far more capital intensive, but but uh, but I get I get the um, the essence of the analogy that you're putting forth is that if they want to play that game of being a retail on ramp, uh, then I, I guess you need to make a move in the US. I I, I still question the validity, uh, and to be honest, I think um, I, I know you said CZ's probably got some background in running exchanges and stuff like that, but I think Coinbase are cracking a much better run shows. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think he'll get eaten for breakfast in um in the U.S. But that's what I think. Ooh, uh, big big prediction there. I like let let the competition begin. Bring more comp bring more competition into the U.S. But again, guys, Adam Meister is offended by selling. So I don't know why you're selling your Bitcoin anyway. You should be buying your Bitcoin.
And sure. uh, do it at a decentralized exchange like BISC. Uh, before we uh, close off this topic, does anybody have anything else to say about it? Uh, Ansel, I just, uh, you, you talked at the beginning, but I just want to give you a chance to add anything now. Yeah, I just want to say there's there's been some other big exchanges that have tried to come into the U.S. Like Bitflyer was huge in Japan, and they are nothing in the United States. Um, and also, this this is going to hurt new altcoins from launching because they they miss out on a such a big market uh, with you know consolidated big market in one place like Binance. So um, I think this is good uh, for weeding out some of the new scams coming in. There'll be fewer scam coins coming in. Um, but I don't know. Overall, I don't think uh, they're going to stand much chance, like was said. All right. Jeet, uh, anything else? No. Did we cover All right, that? Good. All right, good. I want Al Alex, hold up that cup that you have. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Share, share everybody this. this. Wait, wait. Is that clear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says F your white paper. Say, say a couple words so it say. Yeah, F your white paper. <laughs> All right, there, there you go. So everyone, everyone got to see that. Pound that like button. All right, speak, speaking about words that start with an F. F, F Facebook coin, uh, which is global coin. Global coin gets big backers, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, and Uber. Are, are they among the calling it global coin? Is that, is that a joke or is that for real? No, that is, that is for real as best as I can tell. Because they, they're, 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 there's another code name for it too. I that's nothing Libra, like that. Libra. Libra, but but it's global. It is global. I, I thought it seemed like pretty conspiracy. You know, it's gonna yeah, play it's in all the literally something out of a movie for sure. Oh, no, man, that's like Doctor Evil stuff. Then man. yeah, <laughs> I, I thought I thought the same thing. But hey, it's generic. It's very generic. Uh, they're appeal appealing to generic type of people. They they want to be dominant. So they and anyway, they got Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Uber are among the firms that will invest around $10 million each in a consortium that will govern the, the digital coin. Okay, so it's a stable coin. They've got some big names investing in them right now. Uh, seems pretty generic, getting a lot of press. Uh, I, again, I, I say let them do what they're gonna do. I think it's gonna bring people into the space and uh, it, it might fail, who cares? It'll, it'll, some people end up with some uh, global coin and turn it into Bitcoin. Ansel, your your thoughts on uh, global coin? Yeah, I agree. Overall, it's super good for Bitcoin. Uh, people are going to like, you know, get introduced to this idea through uh, Facebook coin, global coin, whatever. And then, oh, what's the difference between global coin and Bitcoin? Oh, look at this. There's so many, so many better things about Bitcoin. So I think it's going to be very, very good for Bitcoin. My kind of what I don't understand about it is how they're going to hold any sort of peg against a, bas a basket of currencies with a billion users like this. Um, it just, I don't understand it. Uh, I don't either. Gee, did you understand that aspect of it? How are they going to do that? <laughs> no, I, I thought that was the funniest part because that's like the most unrealistic out of everything that they've said, or it's, it's the most, it's like kind of the weirdest angle, I guess. Um, you know, so it's it's um, it's tough enough. Like, what is a basket of? It's such an absurd concept because you know if you think about something like you know when you think of a basket of goods, you think of inflation. Um, but you know, even with inflation, with all the resources and everything else that everyone has 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 uh, to study it, there's all the you know there's a professor in every college that's studying inflation. Um, there's still no like widely accepted measure of inflation. You know, the government uses the U.S. government uses three different measures of inflation, um, and 
because it's completely um, kind of up to the the um, eye of the beholder. Because depending on what you put in the basket, inflation is up, inflation is flat, or as inflation is down. Um, if you look at the cost that people are actually paying for stuff, it's way up. But if you look at just like the cost of cheese or something, it might be going down. So it's going to be interesting to see what they actually put in that basket. Um, if it's just currencies, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens if they put the U.S. dollar in the euro. Italy exits the euro, and then the euro falls, and all of a sudden people are seeing their, you know, what they're holding falling. Um, and it, yeah, so I think that there's some like potential risk in in creating a basket versus just tying it to the U.S. dollars. But um, I think similar to the consortium, I think that they're introducing artificial complexity to reduce their legal liabilities. You know, that's just my take on that whole angle. They don't want to be God. a dollar. Let me, let, me, let me tell you something there. That line, I mean, that is the takeaway line of the day. Man, that was awesome. Artificial complexity to say it again, to avoid a legal. I mean, that was great. Liability, that, yeah. Yeah, that's something. They're creating a bunch of nonsense so they think they can get away with things. Like, <laughs> why would like one? So, so, you know what's interesting? I was doing like research on this, and, I, and um, somebody on Twitter had pointed out. They actually they did a virtual currency before, similar to like V Bucks in Fortnite. It was called like right. uh, Facebook credits, and right. it was a convertible. One dollar is ten Facebook credits, and then they shut it down because the you know some government department released uh, you know regulations um, about money transmitting, and it kind of fell underneath that. So they just shut it down to again reduce their legal liability. Now they I think the prospects are so high that they're just like let's just give it a shot and figure out some way to work around the law. I would assume they've already talked to someone at the SEC. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, I, I would think. I mean, they're a tremendous corporation with a lot of power, a lot of connections. You would think they would ask someone's, "Hey, we're going to do it this way. We're going to have a global, uh, global basket, and we're gonna, we're gonna sell our. Uh, <laughs> what are they selling there uh, to, to corporate? Oh. Anyway, you know, they're, they're partnering with these uh, corporations on their. Uh, What's the word? I, anyway, uh, yeah. Alex, your, your thoughts on all this? Man, I've, I've just listed four questions. So, you know, the, f the first part that confuses me is um, is what what what's the incentive for the node operators? So, so I'm going to pay ten million, and what do I get? Do, do I do I get some quasi power or some ability to like get a seniorage or charge something on the creation or the management of this sort of token or what? what I, I don't get that. I don't see why any sane um, institution or anything like that is going to drop ten million for the right to what you know validate amongst peers that you know this is how much Zuck coin there is. Like I, I, don't, I don't, I don't know, and and that's the first part that makes um, no sense. And if you guys have comments on that, or do you want me to just go through? The well, no, you see, that, that, that was the word I was looking for. Selling their nodes for ten million, and it makes no sense to me either. I think it's like. A, 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 it's like a they're buying a billboard kind of they're like hey we're associated with facebook coin that that's what it seems like to me like it's a, i don't know why anyone would pay pay well, for that but yeah they're gonna make money from um lending out the underlying right so they're they might raise a billion dollars in euro yen and dollars and they're mm -hmm. gonna invest that elsewhere and then the nodes will probably get a cut of that that's my guess interesting Okay, so it's like, so so their their ten million dollar investment per node is that that's gonna then be um, okay, all right, yeah, I, th that that is an arguable method, all right, so that's cool. So the second question is um, 
you know, where is it being used, traded, or is it going to be floated on anything? So, so one, one of the things that, you know, makes cryptocurrencies, um, you know, a place to invest to put your money is this idea that you can speculate, trade, and do all that sort of stuff. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really skeptical of seeing, you know, global coin on Binance, for example. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. So then, so then the question then becomes, uh, what is it? Is, is it a crypto or is it just a credit system um, that's being used on Facebook? So, so does anyone have any comments on that? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point that because it's not a traditional cryptocurrency, it's going to, I mean, so one of the things that I also read was that um, the way that they were going to get governments comfortable with it is by doing KYC. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're doing KYC, is it an actual cryptocurrency like in Ethereum that you, you know, it's like there's a private key, there's an address, you've got locked coins and things like that. Or is it just something in a database, right? If it's just something in the Facebook database and you need to pay $10 million to be a business that can kind of operate, that's a different story and it's kind of cut off from parts of the digital economy. But on the other hand, because um, Facebook owns uh, WhatsApp, they've got an interesting play of just being the equivalent of um, Alipay, WeChat, Venmo, uh, Zelle, um, Cash App, all these guys that are just you know me and you sending money back and forth to each other. Yeah, and I mean, and that's a fine business model. I, I've never seen anything wrong with that. And anyone can just go and build an application where people can just send. See, that's the medium of exchange function. But see, that's not that's not a new money. That's just a payments mechanism. And and so so what I question is 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 this a new form of money that you know is that that Facebook's creating, or is it, are they just um, opening up a payments uh, mechanism or a payments channel? So so that's sort of. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and the, the quickest thing I say to people when they ask me about this, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, should I buy Facebook coin? I'm like, well, look, I'm pretty sure the idea of Facebook coin is to be a medium exchange, which means they're going to try and keep it as stable as possible. So if you want to earn nothing on your money, then go ahead. Um, but I, I don't think that's what it's used for. So I think it's completely, you know, f from that aspect, it's got nothing to do with Bitcoin or it's got yeah. very little to do with the broader it, concept. It, it competes with PayPal in a way. Ansel, you had something yeah. to say. Yeah, I was just going to say the basket of goods reminds me of the SDR. And yeah, for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for years, they've like all the gold bugs and, and all these people, they've been saying, oh, the plan is to transition from a dollar system to an SDR system. And that's that was the plan for decades is what some of the conspiracy theorists gold bugs will say. Uh, so this kind of reminds me of that. I'm not saying that's the plan or anything, but uh, it's just kind of rhymes. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. The, I've got two final questions on it. Um, is is so whilst it's supposed to be based on a basket of goods, what what is it supposed to actually track? Is 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 that basket of goods supposed to be fractionalized so that one global coin is equal to one US dollar, or is it going to be one global coin equal to one Zimbabwean dollar? I don't know. Like, did, does anyone have any comments on that? Or I don't think they've. There's nothing that's been leaked or released publicly yet on what it is, um, but. You know, to your point, if it's tracked on a, on a basket of goods, it's not going to accrue a monetary premium. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not a, it's not necessarily a competitor to like Bitcoin, gold, real estate, and some of those traditional things that we look at. Okay. And then and then my last one is um, how does it translate? So so fa Facebook's a publicly traded company which needs to show profits, losses, revenue, top line, bottom line, all that sort of stuff. So I wonder how this translates back to like real world money. Um, you know. That that impacts their balance sheet, their PL, and all of that sort of stuff. Because I mean, if people are now 
paying for goods and services using global coin um you know th does that change like that that global coin is going to have to be in some way shape or form convertible back to us dollars so that they can you know release earnings and things like that so i think that's really messy as well um and, and it's it's one of the arguments that i've always had with all of the stupid icos that have come up is why jam a token right in the middle of your operations so that you can confuse everybody so that you can confuse yourself and so that you can't operate a business properly it makes absolutely no sense so this is another thing that i'm i'm questioning so there's sort of the four things that off the top of my head that i think make this sound really stupid um and then outside of that it's i mean the name global coin just like i said at the beginning it sounds like you know dr evil came out of a film and decided to you know make a coin and now all these idiots are going to buy it and welcome to 1984. So, Completely agree on the uh, global coin aspect, but I think your last question is really interesting that how does it translate into real world impact? Because like you said, we don't know yet what the nodes incentives are. Um, you know, however, um, I think what's what is kind of interesting is that, you know, going back to that game on the field thing, mm -hmm. if they end up competing with some of these larger players like, you know, Alipay or WeChat, like those are those are like real world things that work today in China. They've got a captive market, and they're expanding. Um, when they expand overseas, you know they go to a market like um, in India, that's another billion people. Africa, that's another billion people. They don't have domestic competition in those countries, right? So they mm -hmm. walk in. Their their system is much more effective than anything else that's there. Worldwide, the trend that's going on in payments is the transition from cash payments, like physical dollars, back and forth. To digital, right? And so it's still the thing is it's still um, below fifty percent digital, so that transition is still going on. Um, all of the um, kind of payment processing companies that are doing stuff in the background, they're all growing at double digit growth rates, right? And they have amazing multiples attached to them because people love to see a sure thing that's growing at double digit growth rates. So I think what's interesting is if you say if you value <laughs> Facebook as like a percentage of their total addressable market and stuff like that. You know, by flipping a switch, essentially by adding payments on WhatsApp, they're now, you know, they've just taken their growth rate and added a potential accelerant to it. So you could, you know, you, you could see them doing this just to, you know, one, protect their flank from WeChat or Alipay doing it ahead of them, but also, you know, increase their valuation. And then, you know, potentially, we don't know how uh, monetize just the amount of volume of transactions that could potentially be going back and forth. Yeah, so, we'll see. I, I agree. Sorry, sorry, did you go first? You finish? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the last thing that you mentioned about GlobalCoin was really interesting because if they're going to be KYCing customers, um, you could see the same frustration that people have with PayPal. PayPal mm -hmm. takes people's money all the time. Um, yeah. And the same thing with banks, they exclude people based on, you know, the fact maybe they don't have identification, refugees, things like that. Um, and that's going to, that's going to, I don't think that they're set up right now to deal with that type of, you know, customer service level and all that other type of stuff. So. Yeah, well... The, the one thing that you mentioned about all of those payments mechanisms is, is as far as I understand, when you're using Alipay, what, what currency are you using? What, what's it denominated in? Is it, is it yen? Um, is it renminbi? I, am, I assume in China it's renminbi, but I don't know in other, uh, I don't know if they have, I'm assuming they must have domestic. Let me, um, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, because th that's where this gets confusing, right? So for, for Facebook to just open up a payments uh, platform, that's easy because then they can just use the US dollar in, in the US. They can use Australian dollar in Australia, et cetera. And, and that would make more sense because then they would be um, encroaching on the markets and they would be protecting their flank and doing all that sort of stuff. Where, where I think it gets conflated is that they're 
also trying to create a monetary unit as well as, as a payments um, platform. And, and that, that's the, the part that I think is questionable. So if, if, they, if Facebook tomorrow said, you know, look, we're going to allow for, you know, Venmo type payments from Facebook customer to Facebook customer, dude, I'd be piling all in into Facebook um, right. as, a, as a stock because that makes perfect. It's other piece that I'm confused about and just brings out the conspiracy theorist in all of us, right? It's like, um, it just, <laughs> just sounds really fishy. It does. You, you know, that, that's a good point. I just want to just tag along on that point because, um, yeah, I guess, you know, we were kind of in talking about, it, we were kind of conflating those two ideas. And um, one of the things that I like to, to the, the, the way that I think about, you know, like a Google or somebody entering someone else's market is, Google enters everybody's market, and then the, the project team quits three months later, and that project falls apart, right? Um, so generally, when large companies launch these like like services to do something new, they fail because it's just a startup. And then on mm. top of that, they've got the added cost of the internal politics and everything else. They can't be as crazy or as inventive and go all in like you know a new new um, entrant could. So the the um, SDR thing, that aspect of it that they're creating, that's a that's an additional risk on top of the Venmo stuff that they're attempting. So good yeah. point. Yeah. Totally agree with that. All right, uh, Ansel, any any thoughts? You've you've been silent for a little bit. No, nothing to add. Okay, good, good guys. <laughs> oh, man, um, if you would. <laughs> you know, he's let. Uh, do, do you guys have a? Are we going to wrap this subject up? Any more uh, thoughts on the uh, global coin from YouTube then? Okay. And I, I just think it's a net net um, probably positive because it's just a bunch of confusion. Uh, like I, I'm sure there is smart people there. You don't build a company of that magnitude by being stupid. So that doesn't that nobody trips over and builds a you know a two billion customer company. Um, so so th th there's there's got to be a motive. I, I just think with the amount of information and the amount of understanding that we've got at the moment, there's a bunch of questionable things. For me, it has zero absolutely zero bearing on bitcoin you know if it um if it popularizes the term cryptocurrency great but uh, me personally and i'm writing an article now which is called um bitcoin is not a crypto and it's not a blockchain you know it's, it's in a league of its own and um so so i don't even like the term cryptocurrency so if it popularizes that great but you know if, if it becomes a conduit for people to try and discover what bitcoin is you know and you know maybe from people let's say buying and holding a bunch of this global coin and then you know, for some strange reason, not being able to use it um, and experiencing that firsthand um, and, and that sort of stuff getting out, um, you know, that, that'll drive people back to Bitcoin because the, the, the whole point of Bitcoin is the antithesis to everything that this thing represents. So um, so that, that's my final thoughts. Very good point. Pound that like button. I want everyone uh, in the super chat, Zach Bandera sent two bucks. He said, strong hand and offended by selling. Be a unique beast. Thank you, Zach. And Craigship.com sent $5. He said, buy and hold Bitcoin until 2028. Think long term and pound that bell. Yes, pound that like button. Thanks, Craig and Zach. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, Amber app, oh, shall okay. we? Alex, uh, I, I talked about it. I talked about it on a past show, but you know, quickly say what it is and what what you're doing down there in Australia. And uh, I like it a lot. It gets, uh, you know, I, I say value every penny you got, and uh, they can turn uh, a bit of change into Bitcoin for you. So, uh, what's up yeah, there in Australia? 
Look, the, the, the simplest way to, um, to think about it is I, I've been, as, as we all have, we've all been telling people to buy Bitcoin for years. And, you know, it's generally in the too hard basket or the too confusing basket or the too risky basket or the too this or too that. So I saw the Acorns model. Um, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, and what I want to do, like, I, I agree with the, the, the micro investing concept. I don't agree with micro investing into ETFs because by the time, you know, you uh, look at your net gain at the end of the year, it all gets eaten up in fees. But I, I've been to to, to to finish that initial sentence is I've been telling people to buy Bitcoin for years and it's always been in the too hard basket. And I know that as soon as people buy a little bit, you know, whether it's 10 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500, 1000 bucks, whatever, a little bit of skin in the game starts to suck them in and they start to get interested and they want to do more digging. And then they start to realize slowly by slowly how profound uh, this thing is. So it's literally like the, the high level goal for Amber is to help a million people buy some Bitcoin. That's it. And, and I, I, we're, we're building the entire thing with patience and long-term thinking in mind. You can't use Amber to trade or, or if you did, you'd be an idiot because that's not what it's built for. Um, you know, Amber is designed for you to dollar cost average and just accumulate. That's it. Uh, 100% of funds are in cold storage. So, you know, we try and manage that well because we're a buy side primarily exchange. So, you know, people, anyone who's selling at any point in time, we just net off and we just, you know, continue to purchase. So we've always got heavier buy side volume, which allows us to do 100% cold storage. And then um, and then we, we, we just, just make it simple to... To buy and hold this stuff and then if anyone who wants to you know reach a threshold for example they can automate they can say look when I, when my uh, accrued holdings reach a thousand bucks um transfer it out into my own you know ledger or trezor or something you know via a whitelisted um uh bitcoin uh public address so yeah that, that that's really like to to try and sum it up in a nutshell is it's a mechanism for people anywhere to get involved and and whilst it's only available in australia as we sort of broaden out jurisdictionally we're going to have the same you know kyc aml challenges um we, we we can allow people to get into it without having to kyc on the way in primarily up to, it's up to about a couple hundred dollars because you know we we form this sort of low risk uh base for users but um i mean we, we are bound by you know, all of those regulations and all that sort of stuff. But because it's small change um, and, you know, I mean, people are completely, and I always uh, advocate for this, is when you pull it out of whether it's Amber or Coinbase or anything, coin join it and then move it to where you want to so that way you sort of increase your privacy again. But it's just an accumulation product that makes that process as simple as possible. And it's, and it, and it's Bitcoin only. Like, I will not, I don't give a crap who pays me or what they want to give me. Um, they can go to hell. It's only ever going to be Bitcoin. Whoa, pound that like button, dude. All the Bitcoin fans in the world are rejoicing. You're not selling out to some six-tier altcoin to, to list hell them. No, yeah, yeah, and it's good. You're keeping it. That's the way it should be. Value your wealth in Bitcoin in terms of, you know, if you've got a little bits of fiat here and there, he lets you pick up little bits of Bitcoin here and there, and it adds up over time. So, I mean, has this gained some traction in Australia? I mean, I mean, this is more of a comment. I mean, what's the ecosystem like down there now? I mean, uh, I haven't. 
the, the Australian ecosystem, right? So over 2017, 2018, and, and there's, there's, no, there's no clear numbers, but they reckon between half a million and a million people in some way, shape or form bought some Bitcoin or some crypto. Now, as a proportion of the population, it's actually pretty big. It's almost um, 5% of the population down here because we've got like 25 million people. Um, so, you know, has Amber taken off? We're still technically in a, in a public beta. Um, and, and what we've been doing a lot of research on is just um, the, the way the spare change function works. And, and being completely honest and transparent, a lot of people don't like it, is you, you need to link your bank credentials to the app so that it can view your transactions throughout the day and work out the spare change. That, that's how spare change apps work. Um, so, so to date, we, we've had a bit of a drop off on users who are like, all right, they love the concept, they sign on and they're like, oh shit, I don't want to hand over my bank details, right? So, so what we do, so, so what we're doing now is, and this is being rolled out over the next couple of weeks, is allowing people to kind of switch that up a bit is instead of uh, rounding up your spare change, you can just allocate a small amount on a daily basis and just set up a direct debit system, um, which is much simpler, much easier. Um, it doesn't give you that spare change element, but it still allows you, the, the essence is still dollar cost averaging. So you can just say, look, I want five bucks a day every day, or I just want five bucks a day on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, or I want 30 bucks on Monday, 20 bucks on Tuesday. So you can set these parameters and really automate. And, and, I, and I was on Citizen Bitcoin the other day, and I, and I said, the idea of Amber is to take the stupid out of people, because I, I don't know about you guys, um, I'm one of these idiots, is you know during this last, during the bear market, I was sitting there and I had my orders all set at like 3,000 US, 2,800 US, 2,700 US, 2,600. And, you know, I mean, I, I picked up a few orders on the way down, but I basically missed everything. And then on the way back up, I'm like, it'll come back, it'll come back, it'll come back, it'll come back. And then here we are at 9,000, you know, masses is FOMOing in. So I actually probably bought just about as much Bitcoin through Amber, just dollar cost averaging, because I, I, I didn't think it just happened, right? And... I think that's such an important concept for 99% of people that just shouldn't trade. Yeah. Yes. That's, a, that's the best origin story I've ever heard. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That's it. I, I need this app. Otherwise, I'm going to have to FOMO in at 100K. <laughs> that's exactly right, man. Well, do you know what? We're, we're going to, our, our campaign, so when I, I'm, I'm going out to raise the Series A, and then I'm going to literally take out a few billboards around Australia and just say, you know, Amber is the cure to FOMO. Um, you know, 10 bucks worth of Bitcoin is worth, you know, so 10 bucks of Bitcoin in 2012 is now worth 50 grand. Here's 10 bucks. Uh, no time to find mine. Uh, like I really want to just drive because the, the people I'm going after are the people who are not in yet. And there is absolutely no excuse to not be in Bitcoin at five bucks or 10 bucks a day. Simple as that. I think the other problem that you're solving too is, you know, people still don't realize that you know, when you talk about Bitcoin, they see that like right now the price is around 8,600 or something. They're like, well, I, I don't have 8,600 lying around. Yeah, I can just, yeah. <laughs> you know, throw left and right at speculative currencies. So when you, when you say $10, that's such a reasonable number. That's like an, you know, an espresso, yeah. a couple of espressos, some coffee. Yep. Um, that's totally reasonable. Yeah. That, that makes it, that kind of reduces the, uh, the upfront cost. Uh, it does, man. And, and, and you touch on a super important point there. So in, in the next iteration, we're actually really going to be driving uh, Satoshis as the denomination um, as opposed to Bitcoin. So that was another bit of feedback that we've had during the public beta is that people like, you know, you're accumulating 10 bucks, 20 bucks, all this sort of stuff, but you've got 0.0001 Bitcoin, right? So it like, yeah, that doesn't feel very good. But, you know, if you've got a couple million sats, it, it feels really good. So I really want to drive the, um, 
the the the, the mental uh, I, I guess the unit bias for the for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean that's uh, well established. You know, you know, there's a lot of um, these uh, these stocks where they do that. They they do um, like stock splits because they, they think that you know if you have a stock split, you get down instead of a thousand dollars a stock, you get to twenty five dollars for a single stock. There's still the total amount of the same company, but now there's all this retail volume that can start trading in and out. That's awesome. Absolutely. I, I wanted to read uh, something from the chat. Rad Vladdy says I had orders at three thousand, missed them did exactly the same thing. I'm sure there's so, <laughs> so many people out there. And I, this, this would, it takes the stupid out of it. As I, I like, I like that. Uh, Ansel, I saw you nodding your head before. Do you have something to say? Oh, Ansel, uh, no, yeah, Ansel. I, I was, I was thinking uh, the, the term unit bias and then Alex said it at the end. Yeah. It's uh, you got to have a button that says stack sats. That's it, man. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, so again, and someone in the someone in the chat asked or said, you know, it, it's not available in America. No, it's not. But what is your next goal? Get, getting off of Australia. What, okay. what, what country is next? So, you know, building building startups are hard, um, especially, you know, in, in whatever space you're in, especially I, I think, you know, sometimes I wonder, I was like, you know, maybe I should have just bought Bitcoin and just shut the hell up and wrote articles and troll people on Twitter instead of trying to build a business, right? Because it's, um, you know, the amount of crap you need to deal with, like, you know, regulations, this, that stuff, you know, angry customers, new features, you know, Apple doesn't like this or all this sort of crap. But anyway, next step is we're raising a Series A. Um, off the back of that Series A, I want to unlock um, the UK, Canada, and probably Germany. Purely because from a from a jurisdictional compliance standpoint, they're very similar to Australia. So it just means we can land there relatively quickly. So they're probably the first places we're going to go. Um, I, I'm I'm still iffy about the US. So I you know I'm I, I don't have a billion dollars that I printed like CZ. Um, you know, and you know we we specifically decided not to do an ICO and all that sort of stuff. So I, I don't have the cash to land and do a good job in the US. So I'll probably have to avoid the US for a lot of those reasons. Unless you know, um, you know, we we scale up very very quickly and we do a Series B and you know we have the capitalization to move into markets where you know they're, they're more contentious. But um, I, I my my gut feel is that after sort of the the Australian lookalike jurisdictions, I actually want to play my hand at um at places like South America um, because I think they just have an innate understanding for this. Um, and, and I think we can potentially play a game of bridging the gap between accumulating Bitcoin and then also uh, uh, focusing a little bit more on, on, on the utility of Bitcoin as you know an, an uninflatable currency. I, I think there's a there's a greater pain in those jurisdictions. So in in the Australia lookalike markets, your the the message is hold Bitcoin as an investment. The message in those other type of jurisdictions is hold Bitcoin as a as a flight to safety. It's it's a different uh, mentality because it's um, I mean, the poor bastards are always in um, hyperinflation every freaking decade. So it's um, so yeah. Yes, Argentina. We're talking about here. <laughs> almost yeah. No, de def definitely get what you're saying. And guys, pay attention to what he said at the very beginning. Um, that uh, maybe I, I should have just bought Bitcoin instead of you know operating a, a Bitcoin business. It is that that's a good admission right there. It is 
difficult to, to do a startup in the space. I mean, maybe it is. I mean, for all you people thinking about, you know, investing in your friend's corporation, uh, maybe you should just, just buy the Bitcoin. That's, it's a lot simpler. And he's, he's, Alex just said, he's got to deal with a lot of things. He can't even come to America. I mean, he can't even bring the business to America uh, at this at this point. So uh, I gotta make go friends with Trump, man. I gotta be like, hey, dude, let us in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, and the thing is, to buy Bitcoin, you don't have to be friends with anybody. Everybody can hate you, and you can That's buy it. Bitcoin and and and, and do real well. Um, well, anyway, do do any of the other panel members any any questions uh, that are Amber related before we uh, move on? Uh, yeah, I have I have one question. So. Um, what do Australians invest in? Um, what is like your normal Australian salary person uh, kind of invest in right now? So in the US, we have like 401ks and stuff and people buy like index funds, mutual funds. Kind of curious about Australia. Real estate. Um, and we've got, so, so similar to the S&P 500, we've got the ASX 200. And that's sort of mm. our basket of the, of the main stocks. And then in that you have sort of the ASX top 20. Um, that's literally our, our market is just one big bubble of real estate and stocks and our, our stock market is so skewed. It's ridiculous. It's basically the, I think it's something like uh, 70 or 80% of the value of our stock market is in the top five banks and the top four miners. Like it's wow. absolutely ridiculous. So, um, and uh, I mean, pe people are just blind here that they, they just continue inflating that bubble irrespective of how good or bad the economic situation is like you know i'm reading the other days like uh you know like our, our property market here has already come down 15 percent, but it hasn't really impacted the country like so so things are still moving along people are still blindly selling themselves avocados and lattes and all that sort of stuff like we have a really weird services economy here where everyone just serves each other crap and like it's it's this real circular thing and the only reason we haven't you know, crap hasn't hit the fan is we got lucky in 2008 because China had a bunch of cash to splash and they bought all the resources and all the crap from the ground here. So, so we sort of dodged the major bullet and managed to continue to inflate all the way up. So it's really become indoctrinated that in Australia, what you do is you, you get a job, you, um, you, you get a mortgage and then you lever up and you buy multiple properties and the people who are generally celebrated here is 25 year olds with 10 properties, no equity, and you know a little bit of a stock portfolio. Um, man, when, when this house of cards you know starts to shake up, it's going to be it's going to be a disaster down here. But yeah, anyway, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that's that's what they're investing in. No, that's uh, that's exactly the kind of color. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's uh, I, I mean, when you hear about Australia, you hear about I mean, the, the thing that Australia has done really well, like you said, is the natural resources. Most countries, like they, when you have that much natural resources, they, they have the resource curse where, you know, right. the people in charge just strip mine the whole country. Yep. Uh, I think Australia's done probably a better job than most in like kind of spreading the wealth around. But to your point, it's uh, it's kind of similar to like some areas in the U.S. that are dependent on, you know, specific industries or specific resources where inflated real estate market and everybody's like yeah. life kind of depends on servicing that one economy so yeah well well sydney uh, if, if, you, if you guys ever come down here and you ever go to sydney like and i, I cop a lot of flack when i say this because I, I sort of grew up in sydney and um and literally that that place now runs on bankers drug dealers um hookers and real estate property developers They're like literally that that's that's what the city runs off it's it's nuts man 
I will be there October 17th to 24th. Looking forward to hanging oh, out really? with you okay. dudes in Sydney. Yeah, definitely. I will be in Sydney. Yeah, Hass McCook, he's from there. Shout outs to Hass. Maybe he's awake. Or maybe he's been dealing with some of the things that were mentioned about Sydney. Cool. Pound that like, but no, 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 no. <laughs> he's a fun guy. He's a good guy. And he, he knows. He, he values his wealth in Bitcoin. And so clearly in Australia, to fit in, you got to have 10 houses. Fitting in is overrated. Go to the opposite side. You don't want to be owning 10 properties. You, you want to be owning 10 big. Ten oh, big, yeah. exactly. Pound that light button. Ten Bitcoin. The having show, who is in Norway, he just sent twenty Norwegian krona, and he said the block reward in four years and eleven months is three point one two five Bitcoin. Oh yes, it is. Yes, we're gonna have a having in twenty twenty four also. But let's get this twenty twenty uh, having on, on the ball right now. Okay, we're getting toward the end of the show here. We've had so much awesome information. I want to quickly. Uh, I know. Now, we'll get to everybody's uh, concluding type of subject matters and anything extra they wanted to bring up that wasn't uh, that was not brought up. But I, one of the things that Jeet brought up to my attention that I talked about, I think, on yesterday's show uh, that just reminds you of the unconfiscatable aspects of Bitcoin is the situation in Italy where they are uh, talking about taxing people's uh, private uh, boxes where they store their gold and wherever they store anything or they might confiscate the stuff. What's up with that, Jeet? Yeah, so um, the uh, the Italian government right now that's made up of two political parties, they're both fairly populist, and um, they're not like traditional kind of government um, people, like people who, who have been in the government for a long time, they have established parties, they have established decorum, people who have come up through a party system tend to be like pretty regimented. So the prime minister went on a late night talk show, and uh, you know they, were, they brought up that the EU is requesting that um, Italy kind of controls its debt a little bit. And um, he actually just straight up said, you know what, I, I, I'm pretty sure that there's a couple billion dollars in euros in people's safety deposit boxes that hasn't been declared to the government. If you guys want to declare that to the government, I can give you a 15% uh, tax holiday. Um, and, and it's kind of, a, it's an interesting thing because um, it's, you know, it's like the power of defaults, right? So if that becomes the default that, you know, the government sees dollars lying around and, you know, they haven't been, they've been profligate spenders, they haven't been monitoring their own budget, they can just run around and steal consumer deposits. Um, that's like pretty scary. And um, the other thing is that a lot of um, countries um, that don't have like, they have some corruption in the government, or they don't have like well-established norms, they end up doing similar things to this. So, um, you know, when you think about why they need to do that, it's because people in Italy, like in some other countries in the EU, like Greece, they don't respect taxes. They don't, you know, respect the, in, in, in places like India too, China, I'm sure, they don't, in uh, Mexico for sure, they just don't respect the legitimacy of the government. They know that the government is corrupt. They know that the people in the government are corrupt. They know that if somebody go, comes and asks them for taxes or whatever else, they can just pay them a quick bribe and get out of the way. So um, they know that the government's not delivering them services, so they're not going to pay taxes. And so what governments end up doing is running around um, and seizing people's money. And that just continues to a, a kind of negative feedback cycle of people don't want to invest in countries that run around seizing other people's money. But what they, what they can do, there's ways out of this, which is establishing a more legitimate government that provides services. So when, you, when they do like academic studies on how much people in the UK or in the US are paying in taxes, um, the, you know, all the expectations that economists have of where people will, you know what, that's like too high of a rate. People are going to start to cheat around that. 
they actually don't hold up as much as you'd think. People are paying more in taxes than economists expect because once um, that stat, uh, the legitimacy of the government's established, there's this kind of peer pressure that you know we're all in this together and we need to pay the taxes and everything else. But in these other countries where the government's just not legitimate, um, they kind of end up you know seizing people's money like this. So it's just a negative feedback loop. Um, it's not clear how they're out of it. And the other thing that I want to bring up quickly, if I can, is um, you know Italy does have a lot of debt right now. And the EU's asked them to cut it down. The way that they're responding is not by saying, all right, let, we'll introduce some austerity. We'll reduce corruption in the government so that we can increase our taxes. They're saying they're going to split away from the EU, essentially. They're making moves to establish a parallel currency. Um, it's called uh, mini bots, which so mini just means small. Bots is like bills of treasury, like, you know, like U.S. Treasury bonds, the equivalent of that in Italy. And what they're saying is they're going to print them out. And they're going to be small denomination, like $10, $100, and give them to people um, uh, for, for borrowing debt or to repay debt in those mini bots. And the idea is that those mini bots circulate around the, uh, the country as if they were like, you know, a new lira or, a, you know, the equivalent to the, to the euro. So that the next time they have to go to the negotiating table and the EU tells the populist government, hey, you guys are spending too much money, get your you know, budget under control. They can say, well, what if we just walk away? And normally, the, I mean, the EU has spent 40 years in increasing their control and taking away the sovereignty of all these different countries. So uh, when Greece tried this, right, Greece was in trouble. They were going to have a bailout. Um, and, and Greece said, we don't want to do austerity. You should force the uh, lending banks to you know, restructure their debt and take a haircut. And all those you know, banks were in the EU. So the EU financial institutions, the largest one said, no, you guys need to do austerity. And they tried to establish uh, a parallel currency. And they just hulk, you know, the EU, the Troika, IMF, all those guys just hulk smashed the um, the political landscape there. They got some of those people fired, and they they gave like you know nice plushy EU jobs to um, some of the people who agreed with them and agreed to go along with things. Um, but what's happening now is those populists in Italy have seen that happen in Greece, and they don't want that to happen to them. So the next time they go to the EU, they want those bots to be circulating or to make it more credible, so that they have a credible threat to walk away. When the Greeks went to negotiate against the EU, they had they were considered a pariah in the global financial markets, and they just had no credible threat that they could walk away from the negotiating table. So by establishing these mini bots and kind of you know increasing the credibility and already having it circulating, what they're going to want to be able to walk to the EU with is say, you already know we're populist. You already know we're willing to make moves that traditional politicians are willing to make. And we've already got these bots circulated. We're going to flip the switch tomorrow, and we're going to exit from the EU we're going to crash the value of the euro because uh, Italy is the third largest economy in the eurozone. And so now all of a sudden they have this kind of nuclear weapon switch that they can flip to kind of force better negotiating position for them. So I just think it's a really interesting play. I'm not sure if it's even going to go anywhere. It's not a legitimate government program yet, but it's just one of those things that's like a really unique thing that we just haven't seen before. Uh, we haven't seen other people in the EU trying these kinds of moves. So I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. Uh Quite, quite a name they're picking out. We're, we're, we're picking on global coin, mini bots. I mean, what, what, where, where's that one coming from? But Transformers uh, in disguise. Yeah, I, I will say this. Uh, we've heard about the pigs nations for a while, and it's it's coming to the boiling point again. If you're in one of those nations, uh, especially in Italy, uh, you can you know pick, pick your poison there. You can you know say, oh, it'll be all right. The euro will be fine. Or oh, we're gonna we're gonna print our own money now. Or I should just get into Bitcoin and not worry about all this darn drama. And uh, of course, we have Giacomo Zucco 
uh, and uh, Federico, who've been on the show before, who definitely have chosen that route and are into the Bitcoin thing. So, yeah, watch it as a get your popcorn if you're in Italy, only if you have Bitcoins. I mean, th that whole situation seems uh, uh, quite messed up. But, yeah, it will be it'd be interesting to see what that does, uh, what happens in, in, down down there. Third, it's the third largest economy in Europe. I didn't know it was the third, but that is that's pretty big right there. Um, all right. Uh, Ansel, thoughts on anything that we uh, we have talked about? Anything else you want to add? Uh, talk about your podcast. Obviously, somebody in the chat just said they love your podcast. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I just have a, a couple comments about the Italy thing. Um, this is what governments do. They, they take your money. Most of the time, it's not so much in your face, right? And so this is a little bit different in how, how brazen it is just – you know, we are going to take 15% of your your safety deposit box money. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily that the people don't trust their government. I think that uh, a lot of times uh, Americans have a false sense of, um, like, how much we trust our government. Uh, I think we trust the currency. We, we've had a privileged position being the reserve currency and these other countries, you know, they – get inflation exported to them or whatever. Now, Italy, granted, is in the in the um, EU or in the Eurozone, but, uh, you know, they generationally, they haven't been with the Euro very long. So they still have some of this cultural stuff where they don't they don't trust the government. But uh, th those are my main comments there. Yeah, my uh, podcast, Bitcoin and Markets, have an episode coming out after this. Uh, so just finishing up editing that. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, always great to see Ansel here, man. Take care. And yeah, check his link to below, people. Check out his links, obviously. All right, Alex, uh, you made a great debut on the show today. Anything uh, you want to add about Amber or just any situation? You, you comment on Italy also. Dude, I, I, I don't have any comments on it. I think Jeet and Ansel just covered everything. Um, I mean, Thank you for having me on. Thank you for letting me shill Amber. Um, wasn't really my intent to shill it, but thank you anyways. Um, you know, I, I hope that you know we can do a good thing there by helping more people get some Bitcoin. And um, yeah, man, real pleasure to meet you two guys as well, man. Like all three of you, in fact. Um, so thank you for having me on. Awesome, awesome. All right, everybody. All these guys are linked to below. Uh, that is the end of the show for today. Remember, we do this Friday show. It's every Friday. It depends on the guest what time we do it, but you can watch it at uh, techbalt.com, techbalt.com. Follow me on Twitter at techbalt. Disruptmeister.com has every show that I've ever done. I do a new show here every day of the week. Fridays are the big interview shows. Saturdays are beyond Bitcoin. So tune in to disruptmeister.com. Uh, every, every single day, you'll, you'll get a new show. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button. Shabbat shalom. Everyone have a great weekend. All those Canadian hockey fans have fun going crazy over basketball. <laughs> See you guys uh, tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you guys. <laughs>